Hello and welcome to Superfancast. My name is Chris and this is Season 2, Interlude 3. And this is the third time I've recorded this introduction. So it's clear that I've forgotten how to do this. It's been so long since we last recorded. It's just me today. Uh, Things have been a bit crazy since the last recording that we did. That was a few weeks back, our placebo episode. We announced the next band, which is Pearl Jam, and we were going to get a date in the diary to record that. And then Matt immediately got called out for a couple of weeks to go slap his bass on a ship in the Mediterranean. So he's been sunning himself in the med. And around that same time, I caught COVID and it took me off my feet for, for a little while. And so I, I wasn't even able to get a solo interlude out to you. So that's why it's taken so long. Matt will be back in on, on dry land very shortly and then we'll get back to the, uh, the, the regular proceedings. So I've got a short interlude for you here to tie you over. But first of all, let's let's have a little catch up. And and really the top news in the UK these last couple of weeks has, of course, been the weather. We had it just over 40 degrees in some parts of the UK. Unprecedented. Certainly in my lifetime, I don't think we've had temperatures that hot before. And it was hot. Yeah, too hot for for having COVID anyway. It was horrible weather to have COVID in. I I normally love that heat and uh, I would have really enjoyed it if I wasn't already having the sweats. And ironically, whilst people were melting here in the UK, people in northern New South Wales in Australia, a part of the world which is normally a sniff nicer weather than than here in the UK, they were having an arsehole of a time. So Splendour in the Grass, which is a, a music festival held just outside Byron Bay in northern New South Wales, it happened, I think, just a couple of days ago, uh, the weekend of the 22nd, 23rd. So I think it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, potentially, maybe longer. And they had such awful rains and just generally awful weather. Apparently bad organisation and, uh, you know, the weather and then poor organisation preparing for the weather meant that it was a complete washout. It was a complete and utter disaster, really. The the Guardian here in the UK called it an unbelievably awful time. (laughs) It was a very British way of of putting it. But I saw the pictures, actually, if if you Google it, Splendour in the Grass 2022, there's some, uh, there's a lot of good pictures out there, but you know the, the newspapers have, you know, it sounds a bit sensational from from some of the newspapers, but it did look crazy, and you know a lot of articles were talking about bloodied, muddied party goers. Well, I don't know where the blood was coming from, but uh, you know, I think it, I think it was a really a real serious situation. It sounds like it went very badly. Uh, but look, this happens at festivals sometimes. This just happens, you know. No, no one is, no one wants it to chuck with rain the whole time. And when you've got thousands or tens of thousands of people in a field and it's pouring with rain, it, it's going to end up a bit of a quagmire. And I guess that kind of snowballs then, and and you know that's just the trigger that that's just the trigger that that. Uh, that kicks things off. One article I read said that the buses returning people to Byron and other nearby towns were like war hospitals. Again, maybe a bit sensational, but take a look at the pictures. Genuinely a shame though, because because music festivals aren't the cheapest these days. uh, And also that part of northern New South Wales is awesome. Yeah, I've spent I've spent quite a bit of time there. It's got such good vibe, uh, good, good music, good creative people. And it's a shame that that folks would have traveled potentially a long way to be there and they they got bloody fire festivaled so I, so I hope people still tried to make the most of make the most of it and there were certainly some pictures from the Saturday during the day and the sun was out and people were enjoying the music so 
yeah it's not it's not unheard of for festivals you know glastonbury had some muddy years i think 1990 was a famous year for being a complete washout and also that i think that was the end of it i think throughout the 80s they had some pretty muddy years and and it still rains right you know they it's not like they've stopped it from raining since the early 90s but i guess they've just learned to deal with it a bit better they've learned the lay of the land and that they understand how to to cope a bit better when it pours with rain and i guess splendor and the grass just weren't ready for that so there you go anyway whilst we're over that side of the world australia a band that i've been loving lately is not not a band that's new to me but i've had a, a fresh dive into them and that's powderfinger powderfinger are a, a, an australian alternative soft rock band i think the word alternative is used uh, we, we throw it around far too much i throw it around a lot but yeah they're kind of soft rock but there's harder elements to them as well and the frontman bernard fanning he kind of adds a bit of a folky quality sometimes to the slower songs with his voice um he's got he's got a brilliant voice anyway there's really just three albums i've been listening to a lot the last couple of weeks and that is odyssey number no. five from uh, 2000 Vulture Street from 2003, and then the frontman Bernard Fanning, his solo uh, debut album, which was called Tea and Sympathy, came out in 2005, I think. And all three of those records are brilliant. Vulture Street for me is just cover to cover. It's it's so good. Every track on that is brilliant, and it's a bit it's a bit heavier than some of their other releases. It opens up with a tune called Rockin' Rocks, and it really does rock that tune. It's such a fantastic opener for for an album odyssey number five has got a few more of the chart hits for them and much more commercial sound to it than than vulture street and then bernard fanning's solo debut and sympathy is much folkier it's much folkier a lot of the tracks are the prominent elements are bernard's voice and an acoustic guitar uh, but the songmanship is is fantastic. Yeah, he had a couple of hits off that record, like Wish You Well and Songbird. And I was in Australia around the time that, that he released that. And I remember those two singles a lot. I remember hearing them a lot, but then I, I Googled them this week and it doesn't look like either of them charted in Australia. So yeah, it's a real shame. That's a real shame. The album did hit number one in the Australian charts, though, and rightfully so. He was already a well-known name by that point when he started his solo career. Powderfinger had been going for a while, actually, and and they'd had some some big success in uh, in Australia, a bunch of number one albums. But anyway, re- really enjoying those three those three records. Um, Volta Street, amazing, beginning to end. Odyssey number five, more the chart offering, has a couple of classic hits on them. Tea and Sympathy, a bit calmer, a bit more relaxing, but again, beautiful, beautiful songmanship. I'm going to be checking out the rest of their catalogue for sure because I don't know the rest of their catalogue that well. I remember all three of those albums from around the time that I was in living in Australia and I've kind of stuck with them over the last couple of decades. I've, I've dipped in and out of them a few times, but the both Powderfinger and Bernard Fanning both continue to release records until fairly recently, I think. Um, I, I think off the top of my head that Powderfinger had an album out as recently as, as 2017. So so there's plenty there to listen to. I just haven't, haven't got around to it. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be checking that out. Now, if you've been following us for a while, then you'll know that Superfan Cast is one arm of the Superfan brand and its big brother is the music media platform Superfan News 
which you'll find at superfannews.net. If you don't know what that is, then then where the hell have you been? Because I've been going on about that in every episode since we went live back in March time, I think it was. Superfan News is a music media channel that is a little different. It's recognizing that there are so many great, passionate music fans out there who know how to write a fantastic article, but they don't have the exposure that they deserve. There's thousands, tens of thousands, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of, of music blogs out there that we just can't find. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got you've got traditional news publications like Rolling Stone and NME that just don't seem to care that much. And the articles that we're getting from them don't have that fire and passion that social media has, that the real music fans have. So Superfan News is recognizing the benefits of both of these forms of media, from social media and traditional press. And we've created a music media channel that is made up entirely of user-submitted articles. So you can sign up. It takes two seconds to sign up, create an account. You submit your article. It gets published and presented in in the format of a, of a traditional news publication. And in time, as the, as the channel grows, we're going to be able to grow that site and uh, and take on new types of articles. At the minute, we we only take submissions for album reviews or 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 song reviews, but we will open that up in time to other types of articles like artist spotlights and concert reviews and and, and things like that. So if you have something to say, uh, head to superfannews.net and say it, submit an article. We want that community to grow um, and we want to be able to then turn Superfan News into a real contender in the music media space. So in the last few weeks, we've we've had a few reviews for uh, Megan The Stallion's new single. Uh, we had a Garth Brooks album reviewed, Yours Truly, a band that I really like actually. A review was submitted for the new album by Yours Truly. In fact, it might have just been an EP. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, but check out that review and then check it out. Uh, check out Yours Truly. Very cool. Very cool band from Australia. Again, I think. Bill Withers albums, The Hollies. Uh, these are all, all articles we've had submitted in the last couple of weeks. Really varied stuff. Nothing is off limits. Uh, if your article is over 200 words, it isn't offensive and it's written to a fairly decent standard, then then it's going to get published. You know, we're not filtering out opinions. We're not filtering out any styles of writing. Uh, we just don't want it to be offensive. And it's got to be a minimum of 200 words because otherwise it just turns into Twitter. But look, ev- everyone has a favorite album. Everyone. So everyone has therefore got one article in them. And you never know, maybe one day you'll not be able to contain yourself any longer and you'll have to submit something. So I wanted to hear what people's favorite albums were, uh, because obviously Superfan News would be a pretty boring site if it was just 10 new articles every week about Dark Side of the Moon. We don't actually have uh, a review of Dark Side of the Moon. We don't have a review of anything Pink Floyd, as, as far as I'm aware. So if Dark Side of the Moon is your jam, why not Why not go submit an article? Anyway, I did a call out on Twitter. Uh, I did a call out on Twitter to find out what people's favorite albums were and came back with some really, really varied stuff. So Wicked Awesome on on Twitter said uh, Led Zeppelin 2, not a bad song on this album and textbook rock and roll, plus it brings back good nostalgia. I I can't really disagree with you, but I, I'm a, obviously a, a massive Led Zeppelin fan, as you know from, from previous episodes, and there's not, there isn't an album by Led Zeppelin that I 
skip tracks or have anything negative to say really about the about the sequencing or the selection of tunes i just think that um yeah they can't they can't put a foot wrong really led zeppelin 2 was um as the name suggests the, the second studio album by led zeppelin and it's really it's really not significantly different in stylistically to, to led zeppelin one they they chucked albums out so quick around this period uh, their debut album came out in 69 uh, led zeppelin 2 came out in 69 and led zeppelin 3 came out in 1970 so within the within a period of 24 months they they've released three studio albums and um and so yeah as i say stylistically there's not anything uh, massively different uh led zeppelin 2 um with regards to the to the big big well-known hits you've got a whole lot of love opens the album what a riff to open an album with you know how i feel about album openers and whole lot of love you you could do a lot worse couldn't you so great start to the album some of the other hard hitters or certainly the the, the tracks that the non you know led zeppelin super fans are gonna are gonna recognize obviously we've got ramble on moby dick um got heartbreaker on this album it's 41 minutes um led zeppelin 2 so it's not the longest but also uh, I don't think anything Led Zeppelin released. Uh, oh, a lot of bands around this period tend to to stick to that forty minutes or less. So um, you know there, there were limitations. There were limitations on on an LP. And um, but but anyway, Led Zeppelin two is 40, 41 fantastic minutes. And I am inclined to agree with you, Wicked Awesome, that uh, that Led Zeppelin two is um, is one of the best. Cheap Seat Reviews said. Proof that the youth are revolting by Five Iron Frenzy, and I had not heard of Five Iron Frenzy at all. So um, Five Iron Frenzy, um, as I say, I hadn't heard of them at all. They're a, they're a ska punk band, really. I mean, that's there's, there's no better way to describe their their style of music. But but the choice of album is an interesting choice because proof that the youth are revolving, uh, revolving, <laughs> proof that the youth are revolting is actually a live album. I didn't know that, you know. I, I chucked it on today, and um, yeah, so it's it, it, it's a live album. Came out ninety nine, and I, I'm guessing that I'm guessing that the vast majority of the tracks. I don't know this, but I'm guessing that the vast majority of the tracks probably appeared on on a few albums prior to that. But uh, yeah, I don't know enough about Five Iron Frenzy. Uh, one thing I will say is uh, for a for a live album, it does sound really good, and not not just a live album, but a live album from ninety nine. Um, it's not. It's not that young, you know. Twenty-three years old, this album, and it does it does sound good. the The sound quality is 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 all right. It's it's very um, it's very passable. Ska punk is is a genre I don't know that well. These guys sound sound tight. They're having good fun. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have a massive amount to say about it, but uh, as I say, I did listen to it. I didn't listen to the whole album. I listened to a few tracks, and um, and I liked it. I liked it. But uh, I don't know enough about the band to, to have much more of an opinion at this stage. But uh, if I listen to it further for the next couple of weeks, then uh, you might hear it mentioned again on the, on the next episode. Eric Paul Johnson chimed in with Time by uh, ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. He says, every time I listen to it, I feel like I'm in 2095, which is obviously a reference to, uh, to the album. Um, and he says, and it's got a lot of catchy songs to boot. Yeah, I mean, look, everything by Yellow is a catchy song, really. I mean, they just they're nonstop, and and time was like their 
I don't know, eighth or ninth or tenth studio album. So uh, yeah, it's not it's not a young one, and to still be churning out new sounds because it is quite a new sound. Uh, I don't know what year this was. This must have been in the eighties, sometime in the. Hmm, not sure, not sure. I mean, it's, it's definitely eighties, but I just don't know when in the eighties it is. But it's it's definitely amping up the futurism um, time is, and it's actually amazing to to hear it now and think that this was recorded you know, 35 at least 35 years ago maybe more as i said i can't remember when this album came out but it's a it's an old album and and it really is it, it really does amp up the futurism to to 11 you know to to be kind of set in a, in a period of, of 2095 they've really done a, a phenomenal job of of making that feel pretty genuine as you know, as a listener, you do buy into it. Yeah, just a just a great album, great offering from from Yellow. It it always is a great offering from them, and uh, interesting choice, I guess, for uh, for favorite album of all time. I think if if you're going to go for any Yellow album, I, I wouldn't have thought Time was um, is the obvious pick, but uh, that's because I'm not a uh, an Yellow super fan. So Eric Paul Johnson, your opinion is um, is f- far more valid than than mine. Great choice. Opinionated Lushes. <laughs> opinionated lushes said uh punkin drublick by no uh as far as no effects catalog goes i don't know where punkin drublick uh appears with regards to uh its popularity uh i don't know enough about no effects so my history with no effects is when i was probably i don't know 13 14 15 i started picking up a couple of these uh punkorama cds I don't know if punk. I don't know what label Punkorama was, but it was a compilation of of punk, uh, a series, a series of records, a, a compilation of punk, and um, and that's here here in the UK. I don't know if they released Punkorama in uh, in in the US, but uh, certainly at least at least one Punkorama CD I had had a NoFX track on it, and they've got a very distinctive sound, NoFX. And I'm, I was super intrigued by them, super intrigued, because the first time I heard NoFX, I really hadn't heard anything else like that. Yeah, it's it was such a unique sound. Now, Punkin' Drublick, I, I listened to that album today, and it's, like I said, I don't know their catalogue well enough to know if any of the, any of the thoughts and feelings that I had listening to this record is unique to this album, or whether that's really no effects across the board but um it's i was surprised at how much variation there was in the record actually yeah there's really a lot of different sounds there and there's a few tracks that uh there's even a few tracks that are quite slow for um for no effects if it, if it was another genre or another band you'd probably still say it's it's lightning speed but uh they definitely do mix it up a bit there's even a there's at least one track that that's got like a Spanish vibe to it, and um, there's a lot of variation in the vocals. Uh, really mixes it up. It's loads of tracks, uh, seventeen tracks I think, um, and it's only a forty-minute album. So you, as you can imagine, there's a lot of tracks on there that are a minute or you know less than less than two minutes. I'd say at least half the tracks on the album are less than two minutes. So. It's a lot of short stuff, but then when when they're playing at the speed that NoFX play at, you don't necessarily notice it, and uh, and the album flows really well. 
yeah, it's a, it's a good it's a good record. Uh, I think it's I think it's the it's a good record. I liked it. I enjoyed it, and um, I probably wouldn't have listened to it for I don't know. I mean, more one day I might have listened to it, but it certainly wasn't on my radar. So um, so yeah yeah. Thanks for recommending that, and um, great choice for uh, for favorite album of all time. Favorite album of all time. Uh, I mean, it it really depends, doesn't it, on your on your choices, <laughs> on your musical choices, but. Obviously, for opinionated lushes, this is the best album uh, of all time. Punk and Drublick by NoFX. Not for me, but it's a, it's a good album. Not the best of all time, for my opinion. What else have we got? I mean, it's got so many here. So many. We have got from all over the map. All over the map said Alice Cooper's From the Inside. Great songs on this album. A great storyline. And Cooper sounds great on it. Yes. Yep, I agree. He does sound great on it. It's a really interesting album because I believe From the Inside was written after uh, after Alice Cooper spent some time in an institution. And conceptually, I think a lot of the subject matter, either, either metaphorically or actually and, and sort of blatantly, is about his experience from the inside. However... The uh, the sound of this the record is is quite upbeat. It's quite funky. So uh, yeah, that's not it's not immediately obvious that it's got any any kind of dark undertones. You know, there's there's lots of characters in the uh, in the concepts of the album um, who are based on actual people that he met in the asylum. So yeah, it's a it's it's a very interesting album. But yeah, as I say, it's it's very happy. One thing I'm always surprised by Alice Cooper. So so yeah, I'm not I'm not I don't claim to be a massive Alice Cooper fan at all. Um, but that's not because I dislike him. It's just because I don't know his catalog that well. I need to spend some time listening to it. But one thing I'm always surprised by Alice Cooper is the image that his image can can sort of connote can portray, and then how that varies from the actual music that you hear you know you you certainly expect something a lot heavier and a lot darker from him but generally um his music doesn't doesn't quite hit that note um and so one thing you'll notice from uh from the inside is it's alice cooper it's got some pretty dark subject matter but then when you listen to it it's quite a funky record it's quite it's got some it's got some upbeat vibes to it yeah amy miller said happier than ever that's it it doesn't you don't even need to write who that's by yeah happier than ever is uh is billy eilish's album from last year it's a good album i haven't listened to it since it came out um but i really did enjoy it when it came out really enjoyed it it's um it's a really really strong piece of work and it's easy to understand how it can how it can be somebody's favorite i think this i think this album will hold up for a while you know i don't think this is one that's going to disappear under the dust i think that people will be listening to to uh to happier than ever and to to, to billy eilish generally in uh years and years to come yeah i i do think that i think she's got a really unique sound she may not have created a genre which is <laughs> i can't remember who said that recently was that a rolling stone article or i can't remember but there was a bit of backlash uh, around that, that someone had said in an article that she created sad girl pop. And look, I don't think that sad girl pop is a genre, but uh, I understand what they were trying to say. 
uh, and I think they're wrong. <laughs> I think she might have uh, come out on top of a particular genre, a particular subgenre, but she didn't invent it. She's doing it bloody well, um, but she didn't invent it. And there's lots of contemporaries, and there's also lots of forerunners who laid the foundations for for what she is doing. What she did invent is her sound, and she's got a very unique sound. And Phineas knows how to work with her voice so brilliantly and, and for, for his music to, to complement her voice so perfectly. I think they're, a, they're an amazing team and uh, I hope that they, they continue to, to make great music and, and release great music. Um, yeah. Such a, such a brilliant list this is. Um, some, really, some really varied, really interesting albums that, that people have as their favourites. My favourite... Of course, uh, you probably already know because we did a whole episode about it. Is "Fine Lines" by My Vitriol. So look, I, I can tell you what makes it my favourite, and and maybe, maybe it's similar or the same for for some of you guys. I mean, what makes "Fine Lines" my favourite album of all time is it never fails me, hundred percent never fails me. I have never once put on track one, Alpha Waves, and not listen well that's not true i mean there'll be times that i've turned it off midway because i've gone and done something but provided i'm not going and doing something i'm always happy to let it go like i'm always happy to to let it run the whole length of the album and every song i will love there's no skips 100 percent no skips and i suppose fine lines for me is slightly different to some of these other albums that, that have been suggested because Although it's not necessarily a concept album, I think that the 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 entire composition from beginning to end has been conceptual. And you know, Son Wardner has talked about that, about how at the time of, of putting together Fine Lines, he was very into film scores and he liked the idea of putting the album, to, album together with some of the same um, same approaches as uh, as you would put together a score for a film, and that really shines through definitely 100% because every track flows perfectly into the next the sequencing is so well thought out you know the order of the tracks and the way that they work together um, you've got some palette cleansers in just the right places and you've got the big um, the big brash arrogant numbers in all the right places so yeah that's that's my favorite album and that's just a, a small taste of, of what it is that, that I love. And in, in time, I'm probably going to write an article about that and submit that to, to Superfan News because there aren't enough reviews of, of that album online really doing it justice. So I want to be able to get a review out there and get more people into it. Who else have we got? Uh, we have got um, Stew World Order said, I can't decide between Paul's Boutique, Beastie Boys or Pinkerton, Weezer. Yeah. Great suggestions. Uh, Pinkerton from Weezer. I think that is uh, a fair few people's favourite album. I don't think that's uh, unheard of. Um, Beastie Boys don't get enough mention these days, do they? I uh, don't know their, their catalogue, so I don't know the albums. Um, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. I don't have some interesting story about Paul's Boutique. But um, but I will check it out between now and the, and the next episode and, and, and get back to you on that. And then, what, what have we got next? We have got Argy, I think. I think is the name here. And Argie says, when I was 17, Dark Side of the Moon was released. There we go. It's our first Dark Side of the Moon. I hadn't seen this, actually. I hadn't seen this comment until I started recording. So this is new to me. I'm reading it for the first time here. When I was 17, Dark Side of the Moon was released. I've listened to it 
at least one song from it almost every single day since then. Which, I'll do the math, is 18,044 days. Wow. Have we ever do a, a Pink Floyd episode? I think we're going to have to get, get Argy on there. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Argy or Argy. Uh, yeah, that's that's amazing. It's amazing, but there is a lot of people <laughs> who claim Dark Side of the Moon is their favourite album of all time. It's a great album. It is a great album. And again, it's got that fine lines by my vitriol quality in that it all flows so well. There's no skips. And it's so easy to listen to it beginning to end. You know, every track uh, moves moves perfectly from one to the other. Even when it's not a seamless transition, the the vibe of the tracks is, is well thought out at their position on the album. It's a masterpiece. It really is a masterpiece, Dark Side of the Moon. But, you know, there's nothing I can say that hasn't already been said. It is talked about. It is talked about. Yeah. But there we go. Yeah, there, there's a few more comments. Apologies if I haven't haven't read your comments out. I will if if we get more, then I'll mention them on the on the next episode. But for now, I appreciate your time. Um, and again, apologies for uh, for the the break in the the usual broadcasting. Matt will be back on dry land very shortly. We'll record our Pearl Jam episode. We'll have that out to you two weeks from today, assuming you're listening to this immediately from when it arrives in your inbox. Thank you to uh, everybody that is supporting the channel. Thank you to everyone that hits download on, on an episode. And thank you to everybody who recommends the podcast to a friend or family member or enemy. Uh, we'll take them all. We'll take them all. Because your enemies aren't necessarily our enemies. You know, we, we might we might end up getting on. The podcast has been growing really well. You know, we've got we've got a great listener base fixed listener base at the minute and and those those downloads are, are always growing so do really appreciate you thank you very much you're you're a silent lot you don't like to um to leave a review but if you if you are ever inclined then we'll take a review on uh, spotify or apple podcasts or podbean or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and of course head over to superfannews.net and do your bit join the community start submitting articles and we're going to get this we're going to get this channel to the point where we can really start competing with the big names and and changing the face of of music media get in touch with us on twitter search for superfancast get in touch with us on facebook search for superfancast you can contact us via the contact form on superfannews.net and let us know what's on your mind, what you've been listening to. If you send us a voice note, we'll always include a voice note if we get one. And if you leave us a comment, we'll, we'll do our best to, to read your comment out. Thank you for being a super fan. I will speak to you in a couple of weeks when Matt is back. Stay safe, everybody. Keep rocking. And I'll see you next time.